I mean, this is this is what we've, we've dreamed of for 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 14 years, and it's here. This this is it. It's here. Yeah. I mean, it's not the final fulfillment of every dream we've ever had, but this you know this is a step on the way, and I mean, we're at it. We're there. We're on the way, and maybe we'll keep going farther from here. Welcome back to Camden Cast, your unofficial Baltimore Orioles fan podcast from CamdenChat.com. Joining you once again, I'm your host, Mark Brown. I'm Eatmore SK on Camden Chat, and this is part two of the 2013 AL East season preview mega podcast edition. We will be joined on this episode by a blogger from DRaysBay.com and PinstripeBible.com. And up first is from the aforementioned DRays Bay. Her name is Allie Cranick. Allie, welcome to Camden Cast. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me on. How is it going this evening? It is going well. Our uh, our teams are currently tied in one of the final spring training games, so it seems pretty appropriate that we're talking right now. Yeah, we are. We're recording on the evening of Thursday, the twenty eighth, and the Orioles and the Rays are playing in spring training. And according to my Twitter, uh, it's in the bottom of the tenth inning, and it's tied and. Oh, I didn't realize we'd gotten into extras now. That's, that's apparently that's apparently what's happened. You know, we just play each other in, in opening day in a few short days, but why not go into extras in one of the last games of the spring training? Right, so so everybody listening already knows how this game ends, but uh, there's there's the stakes right now. And <laughs> I, personally, I am over spring training, and I I don't even care. I just I want it to end, and I want real baseball. I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm certainly, I'm certainly ready for real "quote unquote" baseball. So, I, I am more than happy for opening day to be as soon as it is. Game started by, I think tonight's game was started by Jesse Beal, who is like who, I, I don't, I don't even know who Jesse Beal is, and I'm an Orioles fan, and oh, he was a starter tonight. That says a lot, yeah. I guess. Yeah. About how Buck's feeling about spring training as well. Right. You know, well, yeah, he has his complex where he won't let any of his starter starting pitchers pitch against like AL East teams in the last two weeks of spring training. So, and mind you, we had David Price start tonight. So, so. Joe Madden obviously doesn't care. <laughs> obviously. So there may be Orioles fans out there who were not, in fact, aware that there were Rays fans. So, Allie, I'm just curious how you came to be a Rays fan, if you want to share that with the... Uh, well, well, we do uh, exist, first okay. of all. Um, I know we're kind of an endangered species, but we are out there. But, uh... So I moved to Florida um, around 1999 and live in St. Pete. So people do live in St. Pete as much as there is the whole the whole idea that the Trop and the Rays should move to Tampa. But I think my true love for the Rays started with uh, Rocco Baldelli. I was a very big Rocco fan. So I think he came he came to the Trop around uh, 2003, maybe. But I actually had an instant messenger screen name dedicated to Rocco Baldelli. Oh, wow, that's yeah. adorable. Yeah, so, you know, we can credit Rocco. And then uh, as the years went on, I just actually started to uh, care about baseball and more than just more than just the fandom of a uh, preteen teenage girl liking Rocco Baldelli. <laughs> I, I, love, I love people's obscure favorite player stories like that. That's... That's pretty good. I don't. I don't even know that I could pick mine because, of course, the Orioles. When I was growing up, like Cal Ripken was the best player on the team, and then you had guys like Brady Anderson and Chris Hoyles who were actually pretty good. So it wasn't like I just had like a, a, a not so great player. I was like irrationally attached to. So I don't know. Maybe I think I think there was a guy that was like a reliever named Mark Williamson. I liked him because his name was Mark, and he was also left-handed. 
Oh, well, there no, you go. Actually, you guys, right you guys bonded. His name was Mark <laughs> also, so I think he was my uh, my obscure guy that nice. I enjoyed, So Well, I think, you know, Rocco, it was like, oh, Carl Crawford and Rocco Baldelli are like the future of Rays baseball. And then Rocco had a bunch of health issues, but he actually works for the team now. He's it, a good guy, so they kept him around, and uh, he works in scouting, I believe, for he them. actually – didn't they basically name it Rocco Baldelli Disease? Yeah, what he had, I'm pretty sure they did because it was such an odd mitochondrial whole disease that he went through. And it was actually the weirdest part. I mean, he was a young guy when it all when it all came about. So I don't know. But yeah, so we can credit we can credit Rocco Baldelli for my love of the race. All right. Well, I'm sure there's many worse choices than uh, than Baldelli. That's <laughs> that's a good one, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm OK with that. <laughs> So about the 2013 Rays, uh, what would you say is your most interesting – well, what interests you the most or excites you the most or whatever about uh, the upcoming season? Um, You know, I think a lot of it just has to do with other other people out there thinking that the Rays are going to be pretty good this year. Is kind of always a reassuring fact, as I'm sure you guys coming off the air you had. I mean, Orioles certainly – are expected to be contenders again this year. Actually, that um, makes me really nervous because nobody expected <laughs> them to be good last year, and then they were. So then in my head, it's like, well, they don't know anything. So now that they mistake. don't know anything and they're saying the Orioles are going to be good, then I feel like, uh-oh, that means they're going to be bad because the people that don't know anything are saying, well, they're going to be good. But True, true superstition right there. I know. I, I, like uh, I, I don't have any rational reason to believe stuff like that. But well, I will I say – Coming off of spring training, I do think that our pitching staff has looked pretty good thus far. Um, Matt Moore has been a little shaky this spring training, but he is known for starting off needing to kind of get into a routine. He's a slow starter. That's right. just how his how his nature typically is, so I'm not too concerned about it. Um, but, I mean, Price, Helix, and Cobb has looked awesome this spring training, which the fact that Shields is no longer with us, which makes it sound like he's passed. I'm sorry for that. But um, since he's no is longer... He, is he dead to you? I don't know. Maybe maybe that was... I mean, a... I'm, a little, I'm a little sad still. I can't lie. But... Uh, well, at least it's I not think... like he left in free agency. It wasn't his choice, right, since it was a trade. No. Can't, no, and can't hold it against him. He had a lot of loyalty to the Rays, and him and his wife actually did a lot in the area for a lot of charitable um, reasons, and okay. they've actually maintained their charities even though they're no longer in the area. So I thought that was pretty that was pretty cool of them as well because they are tied to the Rays. Exactly. But uh, I think, you know, with the Rays, it's always pitching and defense are our two strong points. Um, there are a lot of the reasons why the Rays win ball games, and so – I guess kind of tying in that's my that's my high point for the season that our pitching is still strong and now we've added Yuna Escobar and a few others that I think certainly help our defense but at the same time I think my fear on the counter of that is our offense is never that strong and we've already had a few spring training games that we've been like had three hits like a few games in a row or other stuff just that that's made me a little nervous for the offensive woes that we faced in the past. Well, you just got to tell yourself the pitchers are ahead of the hitcher, uh, the hitters at this point in spring training, right? That's, I feel like, you know, I like that mentality. If you're going to bring some positivity into it, I'm okay with that one. I feel like people are ready to say that, like whichever side is bad, they'll say, well, the hitters are ahead of the pitchers right now. If the pitchers are getting hit real hard and, if the hitters aren't hitting anything, they'll say, well, the pitchers are out of the hitters. I don't, 
I don't I know. I just that feel I like sometimes with the Rays that may carry on throughout the entire season. <laughs> I I have a very negative. I've had one too many games where we've we've had perfect games thrown against the Rays, and so I think in the back of my mind that is always looming as a fear if they start off a game with very slow hitting that it's like oh no the the curse of the perfect games are. Are visiting us once again. So you're acutely aware, I guess, that every game starts out as a possible perfect game. Yes, pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. Well, that's uh, that's kind of in my head. I think because of the past few years, how I how I envision every game, I'm always waiting for the first hit. <laughs> so so you like you get to breathe a sigh of relief every time they get the first base runner, yeah. the first hit. Yep, pretty much. Even right. a walk. I'll take a walk because then it's not a perfect game. It's a no hitter instead. Not as embarrassing if you get no hit as opposed to if you get perfect game. Exactly. That's funny. Well, I can I can sort of relate to that because uh, I I remember the the last time the Orioles were no hit. It was like the second ever major league start of Clay Buckholz for the Red Sox. Oh. And um, I was actually at a friend's wedding that night, and I had just started ranting. I had a little to drink, and I had just started well, ranting about wedding. how they should stop trash talking the Orioles, and the Orioles weren't that bad, and. Uh, we were actually inside near a computer at that point, and and I walked over to the computer and I was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna show you guys. Orioles aren't that bad." And I, I go to ESPN.com. I think I typed it right the first time. I look up at the box score and it's like, "Buckholes, no hits, Orioles in second ever start." And I was like, "Oh." oh so, and that, that was is, right after I'd spent the last rough. five minutes uh, kind of drunkenly defending the Orioles' honor. And uh, nope, they got no hit. So that's my that's my story. I don't fear every possible game as a no hitter, but uh, you know. And here's my other thing. I think I have a little fear of us of it occurring at the hands of James Shields oh. because we had we had Edwin Jackson throw his no hitter. I think it was a no hitter, yeah, against us. And then Jaso caught Felix Hernandez's, and so it's kind of like past players. All right, the X Rays. So, uh, so you're probably not looking forward up. to Jason Hamill starting opening day against the Rays, then, are you? Hey, I I have enough hope that we will not get a no hitter or a perfect game on opening day. Okay. Well, there you go. So you're not that afraid of it. I'm I'm not that concerned. No, but I will say, congrats to Jason Hamill. I never thought he would be a an opening day starter, so I'm happy for him. I never thought he would be either. And, uh, he, <laughs> just, he just joined the team last year, but I certainly didn't expect him to be as good as he was. So, yeah. Hey, Great. it's always refreshing. It is always kind of fun when a player that you don't really have any expectation for exceeds them. So, what do you think about the players you got back in the James Shields trade? It sounds like you miss Shields a bit yourself, but how about, you know, do you think the guys that got they got for him will make it worthwhile or I mean, come on, Will Myers, yeah. you can't really you can't really deny uh deny Will Myers and I think it will be interesting to see when he has an impact with the team. Um I mean, he's obviously a very highly touted prospect and I think one of the things with that is that the Rays I mean, we had Longo was our was our very touted prospect, and then it was Price, and then it was Hellickson. So it's kind of fun, excitement wise, to build up to that. And I mean, we certainly we certainly other uh, got other players in return, like Joe, Jake um, Odorizzi and Mike Montgomery and other things. So I am interested to see the impact. And the Rays are certainly known with young players; they don't rush them. I think that's one of the reasons, too. Will Myers spending some time in AAA isn't an awful thing, just even to get a feel for the organization. Right. Um, sure. So, I mean, I have high hopes for them. 
I mean, I I trust in Andrew Friedman. I trust, as silly as that may sound, he's made very good decisions in the past for the team. So I'm I'm trusting in him that Shields no longer being with us is a very good thing, and that these prospects are going to live up to the the expectations that uh, have been set for them. Well, it must be nice to have a have a GM that you've had for a few years, and as a fan, you can just kind of trust whatever they do because. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't he, think that in Baltimore we've really had that for about 15 years. Yeah, no, it it really it is nice, and I mean, considering the success that the Rays have seen in the past few years, I they've really given me no reason to doubt them. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah, well. You know, I guess I wouldn't either doubt if I was a, a Rays fan, except except you always are fear, uh, afraid of the perfect game, but, you know. Well, and I mean, come on, we do have the, the old uh, Pat Burrell and a few other few other decisions that I'm not really I'm not really too pleased with. But they've been they've made more good decisions than a bad decision. So I'm just kind of sweeping those under the rug and leaving leaving those for uh, never to be spoken of again. <laughs> OK, well, I will f- I will forget you uh, said anything about them. Perfect. So far. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So our old friend Luke Scott from uh, from well, he was sort of a fan favorite when he was in Baltimore. It's down there in Tampa Bay now. Do you have any particular opinion on him, or does he even make an opinion on you after a year is on the Rays, and now he's coming back for year two? Or you know, like here's that? my thing. Here's my thing with Luke Scott. I felt like he was consistent enough last year. Um, if that if that makes any sense at all, that he was a consistent enough player, not like a Carlos Pena who I loved as a teammate and a leader on the team, but bat-wise, you can never really rely on him. Um, I felt like Luke was consistent enough power-wise last year that I was happy to see him return this year. I think my only worry is health-wise. Um, he's had some hamstring issues this spring, and he's actually been out the past few games, and they scratched him the other day because of some tightness. So I will say health is the only thing I do have concern with with him, but everyone seems to get along with him, and batting-wise, I can't I can't really complain. I felt like he was effective, effective enough that I'm okay with Luke being back with us. This yeah, year. the reason why the Orioles let him go is because he had something wrong with his shoulder, and they uh, they just weren't really sure that was going to heal well enough, so... Yeah, and now injury it's, now it's his hamstring, so I think injuries are my only concern with him. Well, there you go. So are there any funny Luke Scott redneck stories? Because there was uh, all kinds of stuff from when he was up you here. No, I think there was one last year in spring training with he was teasing some rookie player that I don't think was ever named. This was a, our, our beat reporters kind of, kind of reporting back on it that there was – a boar head involved or some other animal that got brought into the locker room and it was in this player's locker or something of that sort that he had hunted while in spring training last year and had brought back to as a nice little present for this rookie. Well, I I can imagine that would be a uh, bit of a surprise. Yeah, like, hey, welcome to the team. Um, We brought you a dead animal. (laughs) Yeah, when Luke was on the Orioles, there was a uh, there was a picture that was posted where he had gone like to a shooting range with Felix Pa and somebody else I forget who, and they're all posing and they've got this big picture of Osama bin Laden that they were like shooting at on the range. Oh my! And uh, that was just one of my big Luke Scott memories was was that, and he just you know was always well, doing all this kind of weird rednecky kind of stuff like that, but. As long as yeah. he was hitting, we didn't mind. 
Yeah, I mean, as long as long as he's uh, successful, I know there was a lot of talk with his uh, sideburns last year and like calling him Wolverine and some other stuff. Oh, that's so, a good one. I didn't think of that till now. Yeah, you know, Luke Scott had a little fan fun last year, so I I think you know it was kind of it was kind of fun for everyone. Well, I guess you just have to hope he can get the mutant regenerative powers of Wolverine if he's got the sideburns of Wolverine, maybe. I am fully okay with that. As long as he brings the power, that's with my offensive fears with the Rays. If he can qualm them, we're all good. All right, there you go. So I guess I, another reason you're probably worried for the offense is because Evan Longoria's health is kind of not super certain. Is that well? Right? I mean, last year his hamstring proved to be um, proved to be an issue, and I know Madden had been quoted sometime in the last week and he said he really thinks that the Rays would have won 95 games if Longo had been healthy last year um and I don't know the exact specific stats of it but I know that the Rays did win more games when Longoria was with the team so he's had a great spring training um he had a surgery in the offseason and thus far this spring training health-wise he's been running fine he's been playing fine hitting He's he's been doing well all around. So all I can hope for is that his health is maintained. And I think that's a big part of the Rays success going into this season. I think if we have a healthy Evan Longoria that, I mean, all around, it helps the entire team. So no reason for you to doubt Longoria, it sounds like. No. Maybe maybe for your sake, that'll continue to be the case. Yeah. I hope so. I hope I'm not jinxing anything. I'm going to, like, knock on wood after this just to make sure. Like, five days out from opening day, I have, like, the curse on Evan Longoria or something. Uh-oh. But Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't want you to be blamed if something happened. No, yeah, I'm going to credit you in this podcast Uh-oh. if anything were to happen. But, well, no, I think, that, I think that Longoria's health is a major, major focus point and is a huge part of the race success for this year. Certainly, he's been one of the better players in baseball when he was playing. So, uh, I can, yeah, and I, I mean, you can't. You want to see him play as much as he can. I would like to see him turn as many plays at third base this year as uh, as the baseball gods would like him to, and hopefully that means 162 games of it. Well, there you go. It looks like his career high games play is 157. That doesn't suck. No, that doesn't. And I mean, we can add in some off season. I'm totally okay with that as well. And I, I can appreciate what it's like to go from having a not good third baseman to suddenly having a good one because we experienced that in Baltimore last year when we went from the combination of like Wilson Betamit and Mark Reynolds to when they called up Manny Machado and he was just great. Yeah. It was, I, it was I, very exciting. It makes things very fun. <laughs> and, and suddenly when a ball gets hit to the left side of the infield, you're not like dreading it and you're just, you know, you're hopeful there will be a good playmate. And no, somebody and like mean, Longoria can and Manny Machado hopefully can. Exactly. And it certainly gives you a little bit of ease when you're like, oh, great, this ending is going to be over now. Instead of being like, oh, no, here it comes. <laughs> dreading whatever might happen. Exactly. Of course, exactly. I'm kind of notorious for being a pessimist, so I'm not the... Uh, not the best person to ask about that kind of thing. There was so. So, are you saying that you don't have hope for your Orioles this well, year? I wouldn't what say I don't have any hope. You? I would more say that uh, I am occasionally consumed by fear of 14 years of losing has kind of uh, beaten into my brain. 
Hey, believe me, come on. I've been a fan since the old devil, devil raised days of continual losing seasons. And then the past few years have been a breath of fresh air. So if anyone can tell you that it does get better and this can be a routine thing, it is me. <laughs> the first year that they had a winning season was the first year they weren't the devil rays anymore. Is that uh, correct? This is true because everyone said that it was like some curse and we got the mojo and we swapped our colors and it was a bright new sunshiny season and suddenly we had a great 2008. Well, the Orioles brought back the cartoon bird and then they had a yes, good season. Yes, which so I that love, may have by been the, the way. That may have been the connection there. See, you just need a fresh new rebranding. Well, I'm glad you can appreciate the cartoon bird. He's definitely a favorite with me. And uh, I mean, I just think it's so much more character. Yeah, you know what? I, mean, I literally, to somebody literally, once it's who a said it looked like he wanted to murder you, and I don't know that I ever saw the uh, the, the, the latent evil in the. Well, that's a little over. aggressive. Yeah, I don't know. I I just think he looks all cheerful and happy, and. I think he looks really excited about baseball, yeah. so I I'm just a fan of him. <laughs> yeah, well there you go, cartoon bird, and well he'll be back again, so maybe the Orioles will be good again. I don't know. There you go. See, look at the positivity. You're having a whole new spin on. I know we've now. we've had a breakthrough here. One of the one of my ongoing jokes is this podcast is kind of like my therapy session, just shared with the whole world. So uh, I think we've had another breakthrough right here. Maybe. I'm happy I could be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll probably need another one in a week, but uh, I, I don't need to drag you back for that. But who knows? All right, good deal. Yeah, it'll be it'll be actual quote unquote real baseball then. So we'll see we'll see how you're feeling this time next week when it's uh, three days into the season. Right, the stakes are so much higher, and uh, you know if they get shut out by David Price on the first game of the season, I'm just gonna be like, oh my god, the offense is never gonna hit. They're just gonna strike out nonstop and. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I can't, I can't say that that's not going to happen. He did win a Cy Young last year, yeah. so he's he's not our worst pitcher. Let's say that. I I need to stop myself from overreacting to like everything. But what's the fun? <laughs> what's the fun if you don't overreact to everything? That's that's what I always. Say. I mean, there's 162 games, so you might as well overreact the first week of the season because you're going to have plenty of other games to do it with. Yeah, last year was quite a roller coaster ride, and uh, I was just pretty much strapped in and lots of ups and downs. But hey. It ended in a pretty cool place. So it did, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, you can't you can't beat the feeling of the playoffs. It's it's pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was cheering for you guys. I like Buck. I like Adam Jones. So it was fun to see the Orioles do well. I feel like, of course, they are playing the Yankees. So you know, good reason for everybody to be cheering against the Yankees. But it certainly I mean... seemed like people were. You know, I had a lot of people that were like, "Oh man, you know, we can't win. It might as well be the Orioles," because it was just such a great story. I mean, even though you guys are in, are in our division as well, my, my animosity towards the Yankees is pretty much unmatched, so that right. probably did have something to do with it. That's good. Uh, I'm glad. So so what do you hate? Why do you hate the Yankees? Everybody that's listening to this knows why I hate the Yankees, but I'm just curious what they did to you. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they have spring training in Tampa. So there are a lot of Yankee fans down here solely because the Yankees have spring training here. So needless to say, when the Rays play the Yankees, there are an abundance of Yankees fans who attend the games and are not the friendliest people. Oh, and yeah. This sounds really familiar. Genuinely believe that their team is God's gift to baseball. So I uh, I think I'm kind of pulling for the I mean, obviously, I'm pulling for the Rays. But if it's not the Rays, I would much rather it be the Blue Jays or the Orioles that make it rather than the Red Sox or the Yankees. So I uh, 
I just have a really, really bitter feeling towards the Yankees, and I don't think anything will ever change that. <laughs> well, I'm right there with you. I, I'm sure on my deathbed I'll still be spitting curses about Jeffrey Mayer and the yes. 1996 ALCS and all that. Yeah, you know, it, it seems to be with Yankees that uh, old feelings die hard, and once you once you dislike them, it just kind of grows rather than ever going away. Yeah, I'm well, I'm perfectly okay with that because. Me too. I'm not really complaining about it. (laughs) Just can't stand them. No, no, I'm with you. And so I'm not exactly a, I'm not exactly disappointed that they don't look like they're going to have that great of a season. And I really hope they don't surprise us and come out of left field and have a great season. See, I'm not going to dance on their grave until I'm sure they're actually in it. Because I've just seen too many other times where I was sure this was going to be the year the Yankees would be old and injured and infirm and they pull something out and... Yeah, it's because they have a big paycheck and just buy their players, which I think that's another part of my animosity, especially with the Rays and their farm system and just bringing players up and everything that it's kind of been that bitter pill to swallow when you feel like you're going to have this great season and then the Yankees go just buy a player that they need and suddenly they're extremely successful. Well, this year the player they went and bought was Vernon Wells. so. And then Lyle Overbay. Come on. Although I don't think he cost them very much money. I don't know. But still, it's just adding. I mean, if that's who you're going to add right before the season starts, then so be it. More power to you, Yankees. I didn't realize Lyle Overbay was somebody to have such strong feelings about. I just, oh, I just don't understand. Like, I don't know. You just expect them to add some players, and then then those are the two that they had. You're waiting for them to pull the rabbit out of their hat, and then the rabbit is like... Like you exactly. said, Lyle Overbay and Vernon exactly. Wells, and, like, and they still don't really have a catcher. That's yeah, like a major it's league just, catcher. I, it's just very un-Yankees-like, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, well, I would not be surprised if somehow they uh, bring back the dark magic that's fueled their their long run of success and find a way to do it, like you know, some kind of Ichiro Suzuki MVP season out of nowhere when he's like 39 or whatever. And, yeah, well, we don't. Look, I don't need to think about that yet. We're still a week out from the season. That's they'll right. Be, That's right. They'll probably be making me miserable enough soon enough that I'm just like, you know what? I'll just keep it in my head that the Yankees just aren't going to be that good right now. See, I'm trying not to laugh too much about all that because I don't want to bring like bad karma on myself or anything like that. Yeah, I don't really want the bad karma either. So I just don't <laughs> want to take the chances, really. But it is uh, kind of curious to see some of the choices they've made on who to fill in their injury gaps and who knows when all those guys will be ready and i don't know don't know yeah and you just you just do wonder about the age you know like you had said that those years when you're like oh age is going to be a factor this year and then it's not you know it it has to come up catch up with them eventually and i'm wondering just wondering if this is going to be the year yeah they've they're older than they've ever been and uh now they're even older i might quote a little they might be giants there (laughs) and uh now they're older still. No, okay. No, it's true. So, so if you had to predict where the Rays are going to finish in the AL East, if you uh, if you feel bold enough to venture a guess, where do you feel like right at this moment? Where do you like them to finish? You know, I if, really. If you're being fair to everybody involved, of course. If I'm being fair to everyone involved, so you know, I don't know if I'm totally on this uh, belief that the Blue Jays are going to magically have this great year this year. Um. In the back of my head, I still think I think of all the money that the Marlins spent and how that panned out for them. 
So I do have some question if you buy all these players and whether they're actually going to have that team chemistry. But I don't want to write them off completely because, I mean, as we saw last year, I think by the end of the season in the AL East, all of us could have qualified as the top team in other divisions. You know what I mean? If we had been not all clumped in the one AL East. So Right. Any I'm, one of the top three AL East teams, if they were in the Central with that record, they would have had a better record than the Tigers and won the division. So Exactly. So... I'm not going to write them off completely. I'm also not going to write off the Orioles completely because I don't think that was a fluke for you guys. Um, so I'm going to say I think the Rays will finish second in the AL East. Okay. Well, you're the second person who said the they think their team would finish in second because the uh, Matt Corey from Over the Monster also said he thought the Red Sox would come in second or third. <laughs> so oh, did he? <laughs> he did. So there's a, there's a bit of competition well, for that. Personally, I think I, I don't know whether it's going to be the Orioles or the Blue Jays who are going to be first, but I certainly think it's either Orioles, Blue Jays first, Rays second, then Orioles, Blue Jays third, and I'm putting the Red Sox and Yankees at the end. Oh, that would make me so happy. That would make me so happy as well. So we'll see what plays out, but I really, I I have a strong feeling that this is just going to be the year that kind of. Rays, Blue Jays, Orioles keep things exciting, and I really hope I really hope the Red Sox and the Yankees don't totally just spite me and have these great unexpected seasons. But I feel like talent-wise, and kind of just with how the AL East has been changing in the past few years, that this may be the year that kind of the three underdog teams of the AL East kind of make it make it exciting. Just just thinking about a world where neither the Yankees or the Red Sox are in the playoffs, just. That would be so it's awesome. a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, that's just like rainbows everywhere and sunshine and all Unicorns, kinds of stuff. butterflies. Yeah. It's, a, it's a Taylor Swift song. Everything is just perfect. Well, hold on now. Isn't Taylor Swift like angsty in all of her songs? I don't think I want to be a know. Taylor I Swift song. I just can't stand Taylor Swift. So. I, don't know, I don't know that I want to be a Taylor Swift song. Cause... Taylor Swift is kind of with like, but she like thinks like everything is perfect. I think, I don't know. I, the way I feel about Taylor Swift, she's probably up there with the Yankees. I'm not going to Oh, lie. well, okay. Well, then I don't want to be a Taylor Swift song either if she's like the Yankees. <laughs> well, no, her songs are happy, though. Okay. Her songs are very happy. The actual Taylor Swift herself just doesn't, nah, not okay. so much. Well, yeah, that, that would be a great world if, if that happened like that. Yes, I don't know I, if it like, will. We can, we can both agree on that one. It just, uh, I'm just so used to them being the juggernauts that it just, you know, we could be in the time where it's the changing of the guard. But, uh, as, of course, deep in my mind, I still remember, well, these are the teams to be afraid of, and I'm still, like, afraid of them or something. But. I mean, I'm with you. I think they, they're always there will always be weight to whenever we play them and kind of that fear of, oh, it's the Yankees or, oh, it's the Red Sox. So I'm never I'm never going to rule them out. All I'm going to say is the way things are the way things are shaping up. I think you and I both have exciting seasons to look forward to. Well, yeah, some days I think that it's going to be exciting and some days I still dread it. But I think today's yeah. dread. Today's a dread day, but tomorrow hey, I'll I still have my day. constant fear entering every game that it's going to end in a perfect game or we're going to get no hit. So I'm right there one. with you with the negativity. It's got to be a tough one. Yeah, people make fun of me on Camden chat because I'm just always like dreading it. And and there was that 18 inning game again in Seattle last year. Uh, yes. Where everybody was up to like three in the morning East Coast time and like. Every time Jesus Montero came up to bat, I was like, I think he's going to hit a walk-off home run. And people were just making fun of me the whole time because I kept saying it. But I, I honestly believed it at that moment. And I don't know how to explain it, but it just 
I hey. just felt dread, and it didn't no. happen. But I I, I'm with you. I mean, the Rays have been no hit and perfect gamed against too many times for me to count. So until we ever get that first hit or that first walk of a game, I'm pretty much holding my breath. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I hope you don't have to be on the wrong end of a, of a no-hitter or a perfect game this, this season. Well, thank you, as do I. I'm really hoping our offense uh, comes out comes out swinging and actually making contact. I'm going to be completely okay with that. All right, so we're just about out of time for what we've got going on here. So there's our little roundup about the Rays. So, Allie, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, maybe we can get you to come on, and we'll see how the season is going as it moves along, and uh, we'll see if we can both still be excited a little later on. Well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure, and uh, I will I will see you on opening day. <laughs> All right, and uh, we will be back right after this on Camden Cast. You're listening to Camden Cast, the Baltimore Orioles fan podcast with Mark Brown and Andrew Gibson. If you want to hear more from us between episodes, you should also make sure to check out the website, camdenchat.com, where you'll find discussion on all the latest Orioles happenings and sometimes just random whatever is going on. Check out our Facebook page and give us a like. It's facebook.com slash camdenchat. And you can subscribe to this podcast if you search for us on iTunes with Camden Cast. And now, back to the show. And we are back on Camden Cast. It's been about 30 seconds for you. It's been about 90 minutes for me. I'm Mark Brown, back to get you through the rest of our AL East Mega Preview Podcast. Our last guest, but certainly not least, is a Camden Cast favorite. We've discovered at least one nice Yankee fan in the world. She is Tanya Bondurant from PinstripeBible.com. Tanya, welcome back to Camden Cast. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's dive right into the 2013 season. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time harping on Yankee injuries. I promised I wouldn't be, I wouldn't do that. So who's healthy on the Yankees? Let's let's get that out of the way, I guess. That's a short list. Cano's healthy. That's a good thing. Considering he was supposed to be your best player all along, that's not too bad, at least. Yeah. Well, not uh, that not that all the Yankee fans recognize him as your best player, right? But I know you I know you appreciate him at least. I do. And he looked good in the World Baseball Classic, so hopefully good things are coming. Yeah, he was on the on the winning team, right? He was. The Dominican. He was the MVP. Yeah. Also featuring Pedro Strope. I didn't watch any of the WBC, I have to admit. I watched a little bit of it, um, mostly when Team USA was playing, but I watched the game where Fernando Rodney was carrying around his plantain. Oh, yeah. The magic plantain. I don't know what the deal was with that, but I don't know. He said it told him that if he kept it close to him, good things would happen. And he had it, like, flown in special from the Dominican or something like that? Oh, I'm sure he did. Closers are weird. They're weird. You gotta just have weird superstitions, I guess. I mean, I guess a lot of baseball players do, but maybe it's just amplified for closers. I don't know. So, okay, of, of all the injuries, what, is there one that you're worried about more than the rest? Like, maybe it's going to end up being worse than everybody says it is? I'm really worried about Mark Teixeira's injury. Okay. Um, they found out that it was worse than they previously thought. Um, it's the same injury that Jose Bautista had last year that ended up 
requiring season-ending surgery. Um, they said that there's a 70% chance that it won't require surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, but wrist injuries are weird, and I, I'm nervous. And then, of course, there's always the concern that even if they come back, you know, healthy enough to play, do they have their power fully back? Right. And Teixeira has not been the best hitter over the past couple seasons. Um, So if that deteriorates even more, it's going to be pretty ugly. That would be... That would be unfortunate. I didn't realize he had slid back that much, but I guess, you know, he's going into his... through his 30s, and that's just kind of what happens to those guys. Yeah, I mean, he has not... He's one of the people that's starting to get a lot of heat for the contract and not living up to it. Yeah, signed through 2016. It was eight years, $180 million, so... Yep. Got four more years to live through that. I'm sure that will be... Well, I guess as long as there's A-Rod to kick around, they won't have most of the... They won't get most of the hate on Teixeira, but I don't know. Probably true. So A-Rod is another one on the walking wounded. Or, I don't know, can he even walk? Uh, not well, I don't think. He has um, the mystery hip injury. Well, maybe not such a mystery, but... Yeah, it's like his hip labrum. It's the same thing he had in his other hip, apparently. In 2010? 11? Double gimpy hips for him, then. Yeah. I don't really remember when. But it's the same thing. And then Derek Jeter's ankle. I'm completely concerned about because his range is poor with a healthy ankle. I imagine that it's going to be even worse with a pinned and screwed and plated ankle. Yeah, when there's metal in your joints and, you know, that's kind of important to diving to get baseballs, uh, I would I would probably be a little worried about that too. We've been joking for years about resurrecting a statue at shortstop and uh, that might be closer to coming true than we thought. Get some kind of Easter Island statue, bring it back. Yeah, that might be better than what we get out of him very soon. So theoretically, he's going to be back June 1st-ish. Is that Jeter? right? Jeter? Yeah. No, Jeter, um, Jeter was actually going to be ready for opening day, but he re-aggravated it a couple days ago. Um, I think they said maybe the 15th-ish of April. He should be back. All right. I think I, I think well. I got my Yankee injury return dates confused there. I think Teixeira is June-ish. And A-Rod is June-ish. Okay. So that's quite a lot of the early season that's going to be filled in with guys like... I don't even know who all the list of guys is. Obviously, the Vernon Wells thing. Well, I, I don't want to get into that too no much. I'm sure you that. don't want to either. Ugh. Uh, Vernon Wells, Lyle Overbay. Lyle Overbay. I haven't thought about him in a while. I don't think I had either until the Yankees decided they needed him. Actually, somebody else I talked to earlier tonight mentioned him, but before that I hadn't thought about him for a while. And I don't even think I realized he was on the Yankees spring roster. Uh, He wasn't until yesterday. They picked him up for a three-day tryout. Uh, Now he's on the... Now he's going to make opening day roster. Oh, the 25 man to open it up. Wow. Yep. It's a mess. 
Well, you know, he had a 727 OPS last year. That's not awful, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm. 36-year-old Lyle Overbay. Oh, man. And and going to be the opening day first baseman now for the Yankees? It would appear so. Oof. And then, uh, then I don't Brennan even... Brennan Bosch. Oh, yeah. But I thought I saw today he's probably getting jettisoned. No, actually. Oh, I, I'm not. behind on my Yankee uh, roster news, apparently. Um, It looked like when they released friend, uh, Rivera that they might also release Bosch because they're taking Francisco as the fourth outfielder, but apparently... Brian Cashman told someone today that Brendan Bosch would probably be on the roster as a bench player. So what uh, what is he going to do if he's not like a fourth outfielder or any outfielder? <laughs> Fifth outfielder? <laughs> is he like to bench DH or something? Uh, maybe. I mean, Travis Hafner is made of nothing. Oh, I so forgot he was on the Yankees too. Wow. D.H. Yay. Hmm. Yeah, Bosch has never played a position other than outfield or D.H., so I don't think they're going to throw him in the infield or anything like that. No. Well, he did hit a home run against the Orioles in the spring game a couple days ago, I guess. But supposed Broken clock is right twice a day. I guess. I, I mostly remember Bosch because he got a bunch of Rookie of the Year votes uh, when he was actually a rookie, and all the guys like Keith Law and such were talking about how he had such an absurd batting average on balls in play that they knew it wasn't going to be for real. Maybe I'm I'm actually lying, because he had a 297 this rookie year, but it was 315 the next year. I don't know. But uh, people don't like him, it seems, to, to play well. And yet it sounds like he's making the roster, so I, I, I imagine that perplexes you a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the first series for the Yankees is coming up against the Red Sox, and... I guess that'll be an interesting test to see are the Red Sox as bad as everybody thinks they are. Well, I hope so. Not everybody thinks they are, because actually our the over the monster Matt Corey I talked to you from there predicted the Red Sox would come in second or third place in the American League East. I don't see it. Second place was actually a pretty popular uh, popular prediction because Tom from Bluebird Banter predicted the Blue Jays would win 90 wins, which probably sounds like second place and. D-Race Bay also predicted second for the Rays. So everybody likes second place, apparently. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know about that for the Red Sox. I really don't see it, it for them. It seems like asking uh, for a lot of things to start going right all of a sudden that uh, haven't been really. And, of course, maybe I'll be wrong because I'm wrong all the time on this podcast. But uh, it, it just I can't look at them and feel like, man, they're definitely going to be back to what they were. Shane Victorino, woo! I know, like. And he was not at all bothered by the idea of Shane Victorino. And I was like, are we thinking of the Shane Victor- <laughs> same Shane Victorino? Like, he looked so rough that uh, the Orioles and Red Sox had a spring training game broadcast on ESPN. And uh, he had a swing that was so rough that it actually made Barry Larkin comment on it that it was an uninspired swing. And he just, like, struck out, and he was like, yeah, he's swinging uninspired. It just doesn't look like he knows what he's doing out there. And that was Shane Victorino, and he's getting trash-talked by Barry Larkin on ESPN Spring Training broadcast. It was, uh, 
I don't know. It wouldn't have filled me with confidence, particularly if I was a Red Sox fan and I was watching that. But but Joe Torre believes in him enough to play him over Stanton in the World Baseball Classic. So. I know that's a sore spot for you because Stanton is your favorite. He is. And, uh, you know, that was pretty weird because, seriously, if you don't have Stanton on the field and at bat... For Shane Victorino. All the time for Shane Victorino, then... Uh, yeah, it's, it's not Little League where you know you have to get everybody on the field or their mom's not going to bring orange slices after the next game or something like that. <laughs> it's the World Baseball Classic, man. Win it for the U.S., but no. Joe Torre, that's a story for a different time. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I wouldn't feel good if I was them, but who knows. Yeah, I agree. But, of course, at least you can still feel good about the back end of your bullpen. There is that. That is probably the only good thing to feel good about right now between david robertson who always looks pretty much awesome and then the mariano rivera farewell tour i'm sure he will do something special to finish this he's looked really good in spring so that's encouraging mariano rivera is like the one yankees player i could never ever say anything bad about he's just so awesome i like i can't there's there's no way i could he's just ridiculously good and like even knowing everybody will always say like, well, closers don't matter unless you have Mariano Rivera. And I always hear some somebody say that, and I'm like, man, he can't possibly be that much better than somebody else. And then like I look at his baseball reference page, and I'm just like, wow. Like the guy had the guy has a career whip of under one. That's just yep. ridiculous. Point nine nine eight in his career. That's absurd. He's thrown over 1,200 innings. He has a 2.21 ERA in his career. It's it's just so ridiculous. Like I cannot even imagine it. So I mean, that's, it's easy to see why he's widely regarded as like the best closer ever. Because holy crap, that's it's unbelievable. And even somehow better in the postseason, which is ridiculous. Postseason ERA of point seven zero in 141 postseason innings. Yeah. There was a. Thing going around when he announced his retirement as uh, more men have walked on the moon than have gotten a hit against Mariano Rivera in the postseason. It was just something ridiculous. I think it was like 11 to 10 or 12 to 11, one of those. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. That's, uh, that's actually pretty remarkable. Yeah. I don't even know what else to say about him sometimes. It's like, like I was looking at it earlier today, and he has 13 wild pitches in his career. It's just unbelievable. And and I was looking at it in the Orioles context, because Daniel Cabrera for the Orioles had like 17 wild pitches in 2006 alone, in like 180 innings. And Mariano Rivera has, has thrown over 1,200, and he has 13 wild pitches. It's just like, geez, how does that even happen? He has some kind of mutant, he has his mutant cutter, or whatever. But apparently nobody else can learn how to throw, or somebody would have by now, I'm sure. Because I've heard he like goes around and tries to teach it to other people, like it's no big deal, like he doesn't even care if they learn it, and because they can't, I guess. They're not Mariano Rivera, they can't do it. It's just what a guy. It's pretty impressive. So, you know, you can't feel too bad with him in the ninth inning. I guess as long as you take a lead into the ninth inning, of course the. The one storyline everybody out there has probably heard is all the blah, 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 home runs from the last season or are gone from the organization or starting the year on the DL for the Yankees or whatever. Yes. Of course, we talked on this podcast before about how there were people who were saying, oh, the Yankees are too home run dependent, right? But, yeah. You know, we, uh, you know, 
certainly don't mind if your team's hitting a lot of home runs, but I guess it is a little bit of a problem if the guys who hit all the home runs are suddenly hurt. Yeah. A little problematic for the next season, but. I think they lost 140-ish home runs from last season. That's a lot. Because Swisher, Granderson starting on the disabled list, Teixeira starting on the disabled list, Ibanez is gone. Not even worth mentioning A-Rod's home runs here. <laughs> well, I mean, he's starting on the disabled list, so. Right. I mean, he didn't have a great season last year, so I guess I kind of forget. He did have 18 home runs, though. He did. But that, you know, for A-Rod, that's... Right, that's not a lot for a guy who... Uh, he hit, you know, 30 has multiple every season. Has plus seasons in his yeah. career. Yeah, and he was at 30 plus 2008, 9, and 10. So, yeah, 18 is definitely a disappointment for him, I guess. And then even he, when he comes back, no way of knowing what he's got left in the tank, I guess. He really wasn't the same after Felix Hernandez broke his hand last season. You really have a lot of bad luck with players getting hit by pitches, huh? Seriously. It's, uh, it's always unfortunate when that happens. I don't... I don't know. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, I guess, but it never just never feels good. I would say it's old people, but Granderson's not that old. Yeah. No, he's not. So he's not in his late 30s anyway. Right. What do we got? Granderson is 32. Yeah, that's not old, old. Yeah. Even in baseball player years. It's getting there. It is. It is moving along up there, I guess. But. uh of course, Granderson had 43 home runs last year, so that would I can see why that would worry to have him on the DL. Yeah. And then if he comes um, back and doesn't hit home runs, then it's like, well, what good are you, Curtis? Yeah, without his home runs, he is really a disappointing player these days. He doesn't really hit for average, doesn't really steal bases, doesn't play very good defense. I was a lot like J.J. Hardy offensively last year. Like he was, he had value offensively in 2011 because he hit 30 home runs. Last year he only hit 22. I guess that's still pretty good, but sub 300 on base percentage just always hurts hurts me a little bit. Indeed. It's like you know, if you're not hitting tons of home runs, what are you doing? Well, he won the Gold Glove and he actually kind of deserved it, so that's okay. But I would like him to not have. A 282 on base percentage this year, maybe, kind of, sorta, a little bit. So the Yankee rotation, I know uh, you said Phil Hughes is starting because on the DL because he has a back thing. Is that right? Bulging disc in his back, which is kind of a recurring thing for him. Oh, so he's not getting surgery. Has he had surgery before on that? I don't. I don't. No, he's not had surgery. That sounds a little painful. But it me. seems like it's coming. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have a disc in my back. I don't really know what that feels like, but it doesn't sound like fun. No. So who is in the rotation if you take him out? Who's who's your starting? David Phelps player? is going in in his place, so it'll be CC, Corota, Pettit, Nova, and Phelps. Okay. You feel good about any of those guys? I mean CC is, you know, he's CC. He's right. two hundred innings. He's a horse, um, but he is coming off off-season surgery to remove a bone spur in his elbow. Okay. So, you know, that's always a little bit concerning. Corotta and Andy are not young, which is always concerning. 
Um, but Corrado was arguably their best pitcher for long stretches of last season. So there's reason to feel good about that. The thing that always amazes me about Pettit, and it just kind of shows his age, is he had pitched against the Orioles in the 1996 ALCS between the Orioles and the Yankees. So it's just like, whoa, he's been around the block a little bit. He has. And, I mean, he's looked good when he could pitch, but, you know, he got hit in the leg uh, by a comebacker last year, and it broke his ankle, and he missed time with that, and he's old and fragile. So he's at least starting the year off healthy, but it's kind of like uh, some kind of thing could happen to him at any time, because, you know. I mean, he's, he's getting up there, yeah. so he wouldn't be surprised. Pettit turns 41 on June the 15th, his baseball reference page tells me, so that's definitely old in baseball player years, even left-handed pitcher years. Yeah. And Nova's last season was disastrous. Um, so hopefully he can get back to what he was the season before, but he hasn't looked that great in spring. I mean, he did at the beginning of spring, but he's kind of gotten roughed up a couple times. Um, don't really know what to expect from him. Do you know if there's kind of like an official explanation of why he veered into disaster territory, or have they really pinpointed that? Well, the technical sense would be that he gave up extra base hits like they were candy. Yeah, I, he had about a Brian Mattis-like pace of surrendering home runs. He gave up uh, 28 and 170 in a third inning, so that's that's actually not quite runs. as severe Brian Mattis 2011-like, but... Uh, that's a lot of home runs. It was home runs, it was doubles, it was triples, it was everything. Just bad. And, I mean, he, he struck out more people, but he he could not keep the extra base hits away. Well, that'll That's certainly different. inflate your ERA north of five. Yep. So was there some, like, mechanical thing he needed to fix, or who knows? Just, uh, who knows? Nobody, nobody really knows? He has a tendency to leave the ball up. Okay. Um, he's kind of always had that tendency, um, which, you know, when he's going good, he gets the ball down and it ends up, you know, a grounder. But he has a tendency to elevate it, and then it ends up a home run. So. It seems like every pitching coach and pitching instructor ever preaches get the ball down, keep it low in the zone. I guess that's easier said than done. I never even made it far enough into Little League to where I was ever trying to pitch myself or anything. Actually, my dad had me go to like a pitching clinic one time, and it was I was like so bad that it was like not worth even having me go to another one or something like that. But uh, you know, so I, I imagine even for a professional, it's tough to keep the ball down. But I just, I just think that's funny about how that's like the problem, the solution to every problem. Oh no, you know he's elevating, blah blah blah. But they can never make him stop elevating. Well, not never, but often right. it's a it's a challenge to get them to stop elevating. I don't know. I wasn't very good uh, at baseball, which is why I stopped playing it when I was like 12. So I certainly am not a qualified expert on pitching mechanics or anything like that. So you said he's had a rough spring, still kind of leaving the ball up? Um, I mean, he started off spring very well. He and David Phelps were kind of competing for the fifth starter position in theory. I think they were going to give it to Nova anyway. Hmm. Um, but he, he did well for a while and then kind of, I guess as spring has gone on, 
gotten roughed up a couple times. Got roughed up in his, like, he started against the minor leaguers a couple days ago. Kind of got roughed up. The hitters caught up to the pitchers because it's later in spring training, right? I don't know. I never know how that works. <laughs> right. Um, so I guess we'll see, but Michael Pineda should theoretically be back sometime this summer. So coming back if someone's not doing well. Whatever, right? Yeah, torn labrum. The dreaded labrum. Yeah. Well, so he'll be the reinforcements if somebody is injured or ineffective, I guess. Right. Okay. Well, so that's I don't know. I guess as long as those guys aren't old, I would feel pretty good about that rotation. I didn't well of course my pessimism is legendary, but it seems like you could get a good year out of Sabathia, Kuroda, Pettit, but you definitely could. I guess just as easily, it could it could all go wrong. I think that's kind of like the theme of the season. Like, it could go well or it could go very very badly. I feel like every ALE's team you could say that about, which is really weird to contemplate because, you know, up until this year it's been pretty obviously there was a pecking order, and now it's just like throwing stuff in the air and. Who knows where it's going to land? Yeah, it does seem like you could make a case for every team to be first or pretty much last. So if you were giving it your best guess, where do you see the Yankees coming in if, based on the way things stand right now? Well, like I said, I mean, I could see the Yankees being first. I could see them being last, depending on how their season goes and how other teams' seasons go. But, I mean conservatively, you know, second to third seems safe. Everybody seems to be saying second or third for their team in the ALEs, because that's, that's been the, throughout this preview, I've, I've heard that. Uh, over the Monster said second or third place. Luber Banter said definitely a contender, 90 wins. D-Rays Bay, second in the ALEs. Everybody thinks they're going to come in second. I don't think the Orioles are going to come in second. I don't know. But, of course... I'm not the uh, not the best person to ask. I don't think they're going to come in first either. I don't I don't know. It could happen, but I don't think it's the most likely scenario. It just uh, there's too much that just seems like it only has to be a little bit not as good as last year, and then it'll all go horribly wrong. And it'll be like ah well this feels familiar, but at least I can hang my hat on last year because last year was pretty awesome. I don't know. I I don't know if I can see the ALEs shaking out with like the rays on top because their hitting is just not there ever. But you know, you could you could go through and say like, well, the Orioles can't be first because XYZ and the Yankees can't be first because of XYZ and the Red Sox can't be first because of XYZ. It's like somebody's gotta be first. Yeah, somebody has to be first. And of course the you know, everybody's like, well, the AL East is going to be so tightly clumped up and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I guess that's possible, too. But I have a feeling somebody, some team will suck way more than anybody thinks. <laughs> It'll probably be. I don't know. I don't know which team. It just seems unlikely to me that five teams will all have in, like, 80 to 88 win range or something like that. That would be kind of tremendous, though. Yeah. It just, it doesn't seem like. I think somebody will fall off. Right. It just feels like somebody will go down and have like 75 wins instead. Yeah. I don't know who that'll be. It could be anybody. It could be any of them, really. I had to bet. 
I would say that it'd probably be the Red Sox. See, I think that uh, I think if you made me pick, I would say the Red Sox are most likely to come in last. I would agree with you. I don't know that I could say who's most likely to come in first, but it just feels like the Red Sox are most likely to come in last. I think that's pretty much where I am. And anybody else, I don't know. Who knows? Depends on who gets hurt, who plays well, who doesn't, and well, that's why they play the games, as the saying goes, right? Indeed. I hate when I say something so cliche, it makes me want to smash my face into the desk. <laughs> please please forgive me out there. I don't want to be that guy. It's it snuck out. I try not to be, but you know, it happens. Anyway, I don't know. I'm uh I'm a weird podcaster. So that's the Yankees, I guess. You're, but you're feeling most like second place. Everybody feels most like second place. It's, uh, I think it's funny. Um, one of you might even be right. Of course, if the Orioles come in second place, all of you will be wrong. But I don't think that's going to happen either. I can see it. It happened last year, so who knows? Anything is possible. Anything is possible. For the first time uh, in a long time, I can say that and actually believe it, which is pretty cool. Because every other year it would be like, I'd say anything was possible, but I couldn't really believe it. Last year was actually proof that anything is possible. And many of those things are even good things. So that's been our roundup of the American League East uh, with our bloggers from the other SB Nation division blogs. We had OverTheMonster.com, we had BluebirdBanter.com, DRaysBay.com, and PinstripeBible.com. And if you would like to follow Tanya on Twitter for her Yankees thoughts and whatever else is going on, I don't know if you, I don't know what your summer version of the Shamrock Shakes are, but... Uh, Anyway, you can follow her at A-Y-N-A-T-211, which you will note is Tanya backwards, and then 211, if you would like. And uh, if you haven't followed me by now, I'm Eatmore, S-K-E-S-S-K-A-Y, like the hot dogs. Follow Camden Chat at Camden Chat, and like us on Facebook. And we will be back on Monday with an Orioles-focused uh, season preview. Stacy will be back, and that's what you can look forward to. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this kind of Doubleheader Mega Division Preview Podcast. That is all we have for this evening. So, Tanya, thank you for coming on again. Hopefully we can get you on, and uh, we'll see how we're both feeling about the season after it's gone on a little bit. I don't know when uh, the Orioles play the Yankees, but certainly it'll be a few times, and we can see see how things are progressing with the walking wounded and the non-walking wounded, and who's playing well and who's not. And We'll see, uh, we'll see who's most right about their second-place prediction, I guess. Definitely. So to all of you out there, have a good good Friday. And that's all I have for tonight. So I'm Mark Brown, and I'm bringing you Camden Cast. This is Birdland, and I am out. <laughs>